Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, we are at the start of an Awareness Week, which is all about nutrition and hydration. And to tell us more, we're joined by community dietitian Roberta McAdam, who is leading this year's campaign. Uh, lovely that you could be here this afternoon, Roberta. Um, as I mentioned, part of this Awareness Week is all about spotting the signs and symptoms of malnutrition. And I wonder if that's something that most people think we don't need to worry about on this side of the world. Um, absolutely. I think it's um, it's something that can sometimes slip through the net. You know, um, malnutrition isn't something that happens incredibly suddenly. It tends to happen very gradually over time. And all you need to be doing is uh, not eating quite so much every day for a prolonged period and the weight can just suddenly drop off without you realising it. And is it about eating the wrong kinds of foods as well? Sometimes it can be. Um, generally the people I tend to see tend to uh, be eating less food overall, or all types of food, but in actual fact if you were to be say limiting yourself to just one food group or just a few food groups not getting that full range of everything then uh, you'd definitely be at risk of malnutrition as well. And interestingly, this is something that can actually crop up in hospital. I think you're telling me off air that was it one in three people in in hospital can actually um, be prone to this, and which I find fascinating because I would have thought them being monitored would sort of prevent this. Absolutely. I mean, uh, one in three people admitted to hospital are are at risk of malnutrition, and it's that it's a bit of a double edged sword there because obviously the people who are admitted into hospital are are more poorly than the general population anyway, so they're not going to be um, as fighting fit as the rest of us and therefore a bit more prone to things like malnutrition Um, but certainly um, a a large number of people who are discharged from hospital will just be discharged with a lower weight than they went in and again it's not necessarily that they're not being monitored correctly on the wards it's that they're, they're more unwell while they're in hospital and it's really our job in the community to make sure that we pick these people up and we give them the support they're needing. So how is malnutrition actually defined then in a medical sense? Oh, that's a nice tricky question. Thank you for that one. (laughs) What we tend to look at um, with people who who are malnourished, it's to do with, uh, we look at something called uh, body mass index as a a good indicator. It's not the be all and end all. We don't like to lean too heavily on it. Body mass index is looking at someone's weight for their height. And for every height, there's a healthy weight of around about two stone that we like to aim for. And anyone that falls under that, we would say is at risk of malnutrition. But there's a few people that don't fit into that group. Um, anyone who's who's heavier than that, maybe they're in the healthy range or maybe they're even in the overweight range. They could still be at risk of malnutrition if they've lost between 5 and 10% of their body weight in a three to six month period. So who would you suggest we should be looking at? Who are the sort of more at-risk groups? Well, malnutrition can happen to absolutely anybody, but the, the highest proportion of people at risk of malnutrition are the over 65s. Um, it's about 50, I think it's 53% of people who are at risk of malnour- uh, being malnourished are actually over 65. Um, and whether that's to do with um, a slightly higher increased risk of, of being generally more unwell, having chronic health conditions, um, other sort of social factors. Sometimes when you're older, you can end up on your own through a bereavement. Um, and those sorts of issues can lead to you not eating quite so well when you're at home.
So as you mentioned, I mean, this certainly has an impact on physical recovery. But what's really interesting is it can also have an effect on people's emotional well-being as well and how they cope with things. Absolutely. It ends up being a bit of a vicious cycle. So you can you can be depressed and of low mood and that can lead to you not eating. But by becoming malnourished, you end up not feeding your brain the nutrients that it needs. And that can lead to increased levels of apathy, depression, and then you're less likely to be looking after yourself, which then makes you even at higher risk of malnutrition further. Okay, so if anyone's listening and maybe they are looking after somebody, maybe they're considering themselves if they're getting over illness, what are the sort of signs and symptoms which might suggest that they're heading towards being malnourished? Well, there's there's the obvious one. If you do notice that you are eating slightly less, then that could put you at risk. But if it's happening over a long period of time, you could find that your clothes are getting looser, maybe your, your jewellery's slipping off, your wedding ring doesn't fit quite as well as it used to, and in older people, things like your dentures becoming more loose, um, just feeling generally um, under the weather and not quite so well can, can all be signs of, of being malnourished.
young people have a right to things that most of us take for granted. So things like an education, simple childhood experiences. But for some, life is so much more complicated because they have taken on the role of a carer. Now, this is something that the local charity Crossroads Care sees all too often. And for the past 21 years, they've made it their mission to support those between the ages of 5 and 18 who find themselves in this position with their Young Carers Project. And this project has been given a huge boost in the past couple of months, thanks to Old Mutual International, and that's what we're going to be finding out more about this afternoon. Crossroads CEO Jackie Betridge is with us, along with Wendy Ramps-Gerber from OMI. Lovely that you could both be here this afternoon. Um, Jackie, have we got an idea of how many young people we think on the Isle of Man are in this role of carer? Probably a couple of thousand. Um, We've just done a carer's um, survey and a carer's report um, which will come out at the end of the month. Um, I've seen the findings to it and I've added recommendations to it. Um, I think it's like, an, um, like a little secret army out there because you don't get to choose who you actually, um, you know, what family you get born into or who you live with. So for me, um, I, I started on the project 17 years ago and I've obviously risen through the ranks. It's very close to my heart. Um, but we've definitely seen a change in young carers. There are far more young people looking after parents than there was, say, 17 years ago. So what do we know then about a typical day in a young carer's life? I think it can vary. I really do think it can vary. But I think we have um, seen young people have to come out of school just to check that they that their parents are okay. Um, we've had instance of um, people having to go outside and make sure that they've given um, injections. Um, it changes what you can do socially. Um, you kind of can lose your childhood through having to do this because you don't get a choice. Um, you know, it is what it is. But you could say that the same about adult carers. Um, there isn't really the chance to have a choice. So for us, it's about giving them a part of their childhood with like-minded kids um, a chance, really. I suppose you have to ask if you say, you know, they don't have a choice in this. Is that because the system's letting them down? Um, I think it's twofold, really. Families are families and all families in this day and age are completely different to how, you know, you sterile, typical looked at them 30 years ago. Um, I think it has really changed. Um, I think the system can let them down, yes. Um, I think schools have got better. Schools have got more involved. But I still think a lot slipped through the net. And of those couple of thousand of young carers that there are on the island, would you say that Crossroads has contact with most of them? Um, we probably have contact with about 800. Um, we've, we, the, the project runs at the moment for just over 100 young people. <clears throat> Thanks to um, Old Mutual, we are going to be able to look at um, contacting another 100. But we also have input to a lot of them um, via other means. So it can be on an ad hoc basis. Well, we're going to talk uh, more about exactly what the Young Carers Project does in just a moment. But Wendy is here from OMI. And um, before we talk about the support that you're, you're giving to Crossroads, can you, in a nutshell, describe what OMI does? I can indeed, yes. Um, so, Omitra International, we're part of Quilter PRC. 
um, and we're a wealth management business um, looking after the wealth management of expatriates both um, locally and um, across across the world really. Um, we've got offices in Hong Kong, Singapore, Dubai and our main offices are on the Isle of Man and Dublin. And as part of the overall framework and, and the work that OMI does, a charity element to that is incredibly important, isn't it? It is. Um, because we're such a big organisation on the Isle of Man and one of the bigger, um, biggest employers on, on the island, um, our philosophy really is to... Um, you know, give back to the local community, so creating prosperity for the generations of tomorrow. Um, and that for us is a, a key element of, of what we do. So we support loads of initiatives and, and have done so over the years. And working with Crossroads is just testament to how important that is for us. The Okay, so... Okay. So what we do, if you came in as a new patient... That looks a little bit loose there, so sorry about that. Hang on. Uh, so what we'd do, um, I might, we'd run through a medical history. Um, I might just check under your chin and on your neck just in case. If you sort of complained of any toothache, I'd want to see whether there was any glands that were swollen. So your glands there are all fine. So if you open up for me now. So I'm not even going to look at the teeth first. Just relax a little bit and close your mouth. There we are. So the first thing we'll do is look around the gums uh, and look around all the cheeks. And then if you open up a little bit, pop your tongue to the left, pop your tongue to the right, roll it up and stick it right out that's it right out yeah no that's honestly it's a proper thing so that's just a quick oral cancer screen uh, so you would just check there to make sure there's no red patches white patches anything strange you were just saying yeah, i was going to say that's just for checking for any abnormal lumps and bumps and um yeah you're getting a really good view of my mouth beth i'm really sorry about this <laughs> that's all right so now what I do now is I would give you a, a sort of plaque and, and a calculus score. So we might sort of say, right, plaque one plus. Ooh, like oh, a competition. Oh, dear. So, and if there's any staining on there. So that depends on, you see, you've got a little bit of staining at the back of your front teeth. So uh, probably a big tea drinker, maybe a black coffee drinker. I think it's the coffee. Could, mm-hmm. be, could be a bit of red wine That's in there. my diagnosis. Know. I'm mm-hmm. hoping you're not a smoker. Um, and then what I would now do is this is a little blunt probe. Okay, so I'd always okay. just show you on the back of my glove there. That light drops off. Hang on. Putting your light back on your shirt. Okay. Uh, it's only because I've got a I've got a top pocket. Uh, so what? I'll leave that there. Right. So what we'd now do is we'd now gently go around your gums. So I'm not going to go all the way on this one, but we just probe just under the gum ever so slightly. And what this tells me is whether there's any gum disease or bone disease going on. So this probe. Uh, there's a little graduations on this, and I don't want this to go any further than that first silver band. So the first silver band is three millimeters. So I'm just checking the gums to make sure you know there's no uh, bone disease. And I would go all the way around um, six surfaces on, 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 the, on the tooth, and I'd give Kesha a score for each section of your mouth. She'd then write that down, and that way we can identify. We've got a basic screen to see whether there's any gum problems. So after we've done that, then we finally look at the teeth. So we'd start off on the top right. And I would chart, and for your mouth, you give me a bit wider for me, that's it. We'd say eight, seven, six, five, four's missing, three, two, one, one, two, three, uh, four's missing again, five, six, I might want to get back and have a look at. Uh, seven's okay, <laughs> and I think your eight's okay. And then on the lowers, big stretch again for me, that's it. So eight's missing, seven, six, five, uh, four. Three, two, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
and the eight's missing. There you go. So, Simple as that. There we go. So he it... almost said pie. Did you notice? <laughs> I did say that. That was completely easy, pain-free, quick. Yeah, dead, that and not embarrassing at all on Ridiculously radio. Ridiculously embarrassing. <laughs> it was not Thank embarrassing. You. That shouldn't be embarrassing for you because your I mouth will, is not too. I will too never bad. talk to you again if you put that video online, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Fastamai, good afternoon. Welcome to the programme. And today we are live from the Bailey Scott Wing at the University College Isle of Man as they host the first ever inter-island skills test for students studying construction both here at UCM and some from the Highlands College in Jersey as well. Christy's away today, so we've invited our very own answer to Bob the Builder, Howard Kane. <laughs> Welcome to Women Today outside broadcast. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. It must be. You couldn't have chosen a more appropriate person for a construction skills test. Bearing in mind, I've never managed to hammer a nail straight into a piece of wood. So I'm hoping, I'm seriously hoping to pick some good tips today. Well, I hope you do, actually. Yeah. Uh, we thought what would be fun today as well is have some construction-themed music. So idea. if there's any sort of song relating to building, Bob plumbing, well, I mean, that's a little no, bit okay. obvious. Oh, I know right. it's your theme tune, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just let us know. Wonderful six, wonderful seven, or you can email studio at manxradio.com. But we really need to find out what's been going on here today. This started at around 10 o'clock this morning. There are students from all sorts of disciplines taking part in this competition. It's going on until around 3.30. It is, and it's And judging. then there is going to be mm. the judging. So let's find out exactly what is happening. Uh, Corelli Bentham, uh, welcome to the programme. What's your role here at UCM? I am the programme manager for construction. Okay, so first of all, when it comes to um, that, that course, how many students have you got studying construction? 280 currently enrolled at UCM on the construction courses, so that's from multi-skills, school groups and all our apprentices. And is there a pretty good split between the genders? There is not a pretty good split between the genders, no, it's very uh, male orientated, but we have uh, females in every single programme area and trade apart from Brick Lane. So if there's say. any Brick Lane yeah. out there, however, we've got two applications in for next year, so we're going to have two females in Brick Lane. I was wandering around before, I did see some of the girls busy. Yeah. Not in the Brick Lane, I don't think, but there were people, I think, in the woodworking section, yeah. I think, possibly plumbing, plumbing. Yeah. Uh, electrical horticulture yeah we've got them and painting and decorating of course so, so tell us a little bit more about this competition it's been running for four years it's obviously grown this year but how did it all come about we looked at there's a, a competition in the UK called skills build um, for our students it would be quite difficult to send them over etc to compete in it um, so we wanted to do our own competition so basically they compete against each other um, it's a six-hour test um, the workshops have just reopened. Um, they get the, the test sheet basically in the morning and they've just got to crack on with it. And they're absolutely super because it's really scary for them. Um, we've got lots of dignitaries, school groups, their mums, their girlfriends, their children are all watching it. So it's, it's very stressful and they've done a superb job today. It is and I think it's particularly <coughs> stressful. I don't know. I think doing anything where you've got someone watching, even at work sometimes, yeah. if you have people watching what you're doing, it seems to add to that stress level, doesn't it? And, uh, we were watching before, and happily they were just ignoring us, which yeah. is quite the right thing They're to do. They're getting on with, get their on with it. Job Very professional. Building, and yeah. that's what we do, absolutely.